this morning I am going to introduce to you one of our favorite science teachers, Mr. Edzinga. He is going to be sharing this morning um, some of his story. He's going to be sharing some of his story with us this morning. I think you will all be encouraged as we talk about God giving us hope in different circumstances. Um, so come on up. I'm going to ask you a few rapid-fire questions that awesome. I am going to make up on the spot because right. I didn't prepare them. Eh? Is okay. my mic on, though? That's, that's the first question. We can hear you. Perfect. Yes. Sounds great. You can take your mask off if you like up here. I'm good if I You're can keep good? it on. Okay, yeah, then that's fine, too. Um, okay, so first question... What is your best slacklining skill? My best slacklining skill is terrible because I haven't slacklined in like, <laughs> what, 10 years? Okay. It's been a while, probably since we were, in, did I slackline when we were in Montreal? You slacklined in Montreal. This is why I asked you the question. Yeah, so literally the only thing I can do is I can like go on the slackline and like do this and then come back up. Oh, I mean, I'm I so can't even practice. do that on land. <laughs> so Neither can I, apparently. Impressive. Very impressive, <laughs> okay. Yeah, not that impressive, but it's a tough skill, so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, that's an impressive skill anywhere, I think. Um, okay, what about um, ropes course? What is your favorite thing to do on a ropes course? Okay, this is going to sound weird, but maintenance. You like doing the maintenance? <laughs> yeah, so I used to run a ropes course, and maintenance is super fun because it's the one time you get to do the things you're not really supposed to do. So like usually when you're on a ropes course, they like they hook you in and you're like double safe, locked in, can't do anything other than like fall and get caught by the rope. Yeah. But when you're doing maintenance, you can go like above where you're supposed to go. You have to like unhook yourself and then connect yourself to something else. Oh. So like for a moment, you're like not even connected and you're 40 feet in the air and that, that's exhilarating. Okay. And then the ropes course can turn into like a zip line, even though it's not supposed to be because you have to like zip out to do maintenance. So maintenance is my <laughs> favorite thing to do. <laughs> Has anyone now been inspired to run a ropes course because they think that sounds cool? <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, okay, last question. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, that's the chicken. Great, great answer. Okay, <laughs> welcome here, Mr. Zinga. <laughs> All right, thanks. Um, I actually haven't spoken in front of people in a really long time. I have a student teacher right now, so I like sit in the back of the classroom and don't do anything. Um, so I'm a teacher, I'm good at talking to people, and I haven't talked in a while, so forgive me if it's a little slow to get going. Um, so the theme this week is apparently hope stories, um, and I've been asked to share a little bit about my story. Um, the funny thing is, when it comes to hope, I, I thought about the word a little bit, and it's like this word that we throw around, and we think we know what it is until we actually need it, and then we kind of forget what hope is. So I had to do some searching before I started putting my story together, because I'm like, what the heck is hope? I don't remember. Um, <laughs> so in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, it's talking about faith, but it says that faith is the reality of what we hope for, and it's the evidence of things that aren't seen. So a lot of you know I'm a science teacher, and my science brain struggles with that, because um, if hope is like this expectation of something that's coming, that's not here yet, well then how is faith evidence of that when like it hasn't happened yet. So my science logical brain kind of struggles with the whole like idea of faith and hope and, and how that fits together. But then I think about my actual life and faith just makes sense to me. Like growing up in my past, all through my life, I've been like the faith person. If somebody doesn't know if something's gonna happen, I'm like, nope, it's gonna work out, don't worry. Like God's got it, not a problem. Uh, you just, yep, God is faithful. He's faithful to the end. He's always gonna be there. He's got it. 
Um, so I kind of have this tension in my head when it comes to faith and hope, where it's like, in my being, in my core of who I am, faith, not a problem. Hope, not a problem. But then when my logical brain kicks in and I'm trying to actually like logic things out and figure it out that way, it doesn't really make sense. So I have this tension that I struggle with. So when I share my story today, I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm not saying that what I know to be true is what is true. I'm sharing my experience. I'm gonna share it in a real way, in an honest way. And if I say something wrong, take it with a grain of salt because I am not a preacher. <laughs> I'm just a person sharing my story. Um, so the hard part of my story when I'm sharing it is that it doesn't have an ending yet. People talk about hope stories and they talk about, oh, I went through this season in my life and X, Y, and Z happened and then I came out of it and God was faithful and I had hope through it. But my story's not done yet. So I'm gonna be real, I'm gonna be vulnerable, I'm gonna be honest. I don't have all the right answers. In fact, what I'm gonna say is if you know God, if you grew up in church, if you know all the church stories and how they end, I want you to put that off to the side for a second because I think sometimes that can cloud our vision. So for me, going through this, as somebody who was born and raised in church, I knew all the stories, like sword drills. Has anybody done sword drills? Like you hold up your Bible and then you like find the passage and you win prizes. I won all of them. <laughs> like I knew my Bible like front to back. And what I would say is in my situation, it actually kind of clouded and robbed me of an opportunity to see what was really going on because in my head, I knew all the answers. So if you know all those Bible stories, if you know everything that's kind of going on, uh, put that to the side, because if it doesn't make sense, um, hopefully it will. Just stick with me for a second. Um, so I want to start by explaining it this way. We all love happy endings, right? Nobody's going to watch a movie if they know it doesn't have a good ending, all right? If you're gonna watch a Disney movie, you know that everything's gonna be happy in the end. If you're gonna watch an Avengers movie, you know that the bad guy gets defeated or there's a sequel coming. Um, you don't really watch a movie if you don't know the ending. There's one movie I did watch, it didn't have a good ending. I don't remember anything about the movie. I'm not gonna tell you the movie name because it was terrible. But 20 minutes into the end, the search party finally figured out that these people were missing and they were gonna go save them. And the music was getting all dramatic and the search party went out and they were like, we gotta find these people, we're gonna find them, and the music's getting dramatic, and you're like, yes, they're gonna find them, and it cuts to the people who were lost, and they died, and that was the end of the movie. <laughs> so, I still remember that movie vividly as the worst movie ever, because we don't like movies that don't end well. Um, so, as I mentioned before, my story doesn't have an ending, um, and the, the weird thing about the Bible is, it happened in the past, we see all these stories, but they're real stories and the people that lived in them didn't know the ending when they were in them. We can go back and read these stories and we can say, yeah, Jesus died on the cross and then he rose again. That's awesome. But what do you do with the disciples that left their solid jobs to follow this guy who said he was the Messiah and then he died? And you don't know the ending to that. What were they thinking in that moment? So faith and hope really become a challenging thing when you don't know the ending. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about my story. I had some pictures and I forgot to send them, I'm sorry, so there's no pictures up there, but ask me for pictures later and I'll show you. Um, I met my wife probably about three or four years ago. 
We did not date. We were friends. We were friends for about three years before we started dating. Uh, we dated in October 2020 is when we started dating. Uh, we actually got engaged by March 2020. For any of you who know your history, March 2020 is when the pandemic hit. Um, literally everything shut down the day after we got engaged. So we got engaged, went out for dinner, we had a great like, meal with family and everything, and the next day everything shut down. By April, my wife started getting knee issues where um, we actually had just, we were renovating the house that she was gonna move into. Um, and she like, walked up the stairs and went, oh, that's weird, my knees kinda hurt. And so from that point forward, she's like, okay, I'm not gonna do stairs, like, Mike, help me down the stairs. Um, and it only got worse from there. Luckily, things were online. She didn't have to stop work, but she ended up, like, I ended up having to carry her everywhere to the point where her knees were so bad that, like, I would carry her and, like, sit her in the bathroom and then, like, come back when she was done. Or, like, to go upstairs to her bedroom, I would have to carry her up the stairs. We didn't know what was going on. Fortunately, over the summer, things got a little bit better. She was able to walk again. In October of 2020, we got married. About a month after that, her knees got bad again, so bad that she had to go off work. So now she's at home, and around the same time, she started getting head pain. So my wife is now unable to walk, in excruciating pain every single day, and we have no idea what's going on. I'm still going to work, it's the middle of this pandemic, so there's online, in-person, nobody's seeing each other, and I'm stuck, and we're stuck in this position where we don't know what's going on, but she's in pain every single day. So by April 2021, we finally got a diagnosis. That diagnosis was Lyme disease. Um, and Lyme disease, if you know anything about it, is one of the most notoriously difficult things to treat. If you get Lyme disease right away, they treat it and you're fine. But if you've had it for a while, then you can't really, it's very difficult to treat. So we ended up going on treatment a couple months later. And to make a long story short, as it is right now, it's been seven months of her getting antibiotics, um, different types of medicine, supplements, and she's still in pain every single day. And she's still unable to walk long distances. And one thing I forgot to mention that was a key symptom was she actually has pain when she speaks. And my wife is a worshiper. Like she loves to lead worship, she loves to sing, and she can't do that. My wife is a very active person, she can't do that. So all the things that used to bring my wife joy, she can't do anymore. So we're sitting in this situation saying, God, what's going on? Because when we were married, we had all these dreams, we had all these visions of what God wanted us to do. Melissa would lead worship, she would sing praises to God, and she would invite people into this reality of who God is through her singing. I am a teacher, I'm a leader, okay? I'd be a leader, I would coach, and we would serve God in that respect. But when my wife got sick, she couldn't sing, she couldn't do any of that. I had to step back from all the responsibilities that I had done. And so we were stuck at home thinking, what the heck, God? Like, we're here, willing to serve you, wanting to serve you, and all the things that we know to serve you, we can't do. So where are you? What's going on? We have people praying for us. We still do, but we're still in this moment of, what do we do? 
right? And now with everything opening back up after the pandemic, it was actually kind of nice that it happened during the pandemic because nobody was seeing anybody and we kind of felt like we were with everybody else. But when things start to open up, the other thing about Lyme disease, it leaves you immunocompromised. So my wife's vulnerable to getting sick. So that's why I wear my mask on stage, it never comes off. Um, but now everybody's going back to their normal lives and we're still stuck at home, not being able to really see people, having to be extra careful to make sure that she doesn't get even more sick. So where's God in that? So let me tell you my perspective. At the very beginning, my faith kicked in. Like I said, faith is not a problem for me. I have no problem believing that God's going to come through. So I said, God, you're going to heal. You're, you always do. You've healed before. You're going to do it again. Um, and that was our motto, and that took us about a few months. And then after kind of a year and a half of unanswered prayer, I didn't know what to do with that. To be honest, my mental health started struggling. I started falling into depression. It was a struggle just to go through my day-to-day. -day. I actually took a partial leave from my job so I could focus on taking care of my wife. Um, and I started questioning, because anybody would. I started questioning and thinking, God, do you really love us? Like, what is this? Why do we have to go through all of this? Like, where are you in this? Do you actually love us? Do you actually care for us? And those are real questions that I had. So I really had to sit down. And to, if I'm honest, I didn't really have much of a community to do that with. There were a few people that reached out, and some of the Christianese answers that you hear are not helpful. I had somebody sit down and tell me James chapter 1, where it says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kind because it leads to endurance. And I said, yeah, this is not joy. Like, I'm sitting here with my wife alone in pain, seeing her crying every single day because she can't escape this pain. This is not pure joy. But I do know that God is faithful and I do know that his word is true, so I had to do something with that. I couldn't just sit there and throw out something that his word says. But it was hurtful to hear that in that moment. I just needed people to sit there with me. Just like in Job, how at first, at first, his friends sat there and listened. That's all we needed. Um, so anyways, I, I opened up my Bible and I said, you know what, if God's word is true, um, there has to be something in here for me. And so what I did is I did exactly what I asked you guys to do at the very beginning. And I said, throw out what you know about those stories and actually read them not knowing the ending. Here's a few stories. That I, want, that I want to tell you about, that I, if you don't know the ending, you don't know what to do with them. So the main one is the Israelites. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years. They actually rejected God. They said, God, why are we not back in Egypt? Was that not so much better than being in the wilderness? They had the promise of the promised land, but think about it, 40 years, right? The life you've lived all over again, and a little bit more. Wandering the wilderness. Seemingly God not fulfilling his promises. What did they do with that? Joseph had a dream that he would be this ruler, that he would have this important position, and his brothers beat him up and threw him in a pit, and he lived in slavery for decades. What do you do with that if you don't know the end of that story? David was anointed king as a child. What did he end up doing? He ended up having to run into the wilderness, hide in a cave, 
and run away from a king who was trying to kill him. And he didn't know the end of the story. So what do you do with that? If you actually read some of the Psalms, there's some Psalms that David wrote that are not really what you'd expect David to write about God as somebody who's after God's own heart. Right? He struggled with that, and that was okay. Job lost everything. And actually, I mentioned these friends that sat with him, but they ended up accusing him of sin and told him to basically curse to God and die, like God is punishing you and you're not admitting to your sin. And that wasn't the case. But Job is sitting in this moment where he lost everything and his friends are turning on him. Like I said earlier, the disciples, they followed Jesus and he died. What do you do with that? The early church, they knew that Jesus was alive. They knew that he was real. But they were ridiculed, hunted, tortured, and killed. So as I'm reading my Bible, I'm realizing that God isn't in the business of making my life happy. He's not in the business of making my life good in terms of what I think good is. I needed to step back and figure out, well, what does God think is good? Because God is good. And that's where my hope is that God is good and I can't necessarily see what he's doing in my situation, but I know he's good. And that's something that I have to train myself to do because me as like human Mr. Zenga, I want to say that this is not good. I want to say that I don't like my situation. I don't like that I have to see my wife in pain every day. I don't like that I have to step back from all the things that I want to do but this is my reality. And I still choose to believe that God is good because I know that he is. I'm going to end with one more thing here. Um, in Joshua chapter 4, verse 21 to 24, um, they're talking about setting up these stones. They had just crossed the Jordan River. The Israelites had just crossed the Jordan River, and they're setting up these stones. And it goes on to say, well, what do these stones mean? Like, like, their children are going to ask, what, why is there a pile of stones here? What does that mean? The Israelites would do this. They would set up these stones to kind of remember things that had happened. And so the Bible says, well, God dried up the Jordan River, and he kept it dry. And he did this so the world will know that the Lord's hand is powerful. It was a reminder because the Israelites knew times weren't always good. So to set up these reminders and these pillars is to say, yeah, I know that God was there. I know that he's good. And that time was not good, but the way he came through in the end was good. So don't let your situation determine who God is. Don't let your situation, your current mess that you're in, determine who God is. Because I don't understand God. And I doubt that anybody can really understand God. We can open his word and it says that he's good. And when we know the end of these stories, we see that he's good. We see that he's faithful. So just because I'm in a situation that doesn't have an end right now, doesn't mean I don't have hope. Because I do. Because God is faithful, and he's good, and he never fails. So even though I can't see that right now, that's what I choose to believe, because that's the God I serve. He's powerful. Um, so yeah, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Back to James. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kind. This is not happy for me, but I've learned to separate happiness and joy. Happiness is an emotion. I'm allowed to be upset with my situation. You know, there's sometimes I'm angry with God, and I think that's okay. But at the end of the day, I have joy. 
It's this deep-rooted sense that God is in control. I don't have to worry because I know he's good and I know he loves me. And at the end of the day, that verse that annoyed me so much at the beginning, that James chapter 1 that says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kind, I actually take comfort in that now. To know that I'm going through something, but God's in it too. And in the end, he's going to get the glory for that. So if I had to leave you with one thing, that would be it. God's good. He's got it. Even if your situation sucks, because it will, he's still good. So yeah, that's, that's my story. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I think we needed to hear that today, didn't we? Yeah. Um, okay, a couple of announcements, then I'm going to pray and dismiss you. Girls, junior girls, we are meeting in the SLC today at lunch. We are talking about Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. So if you haven't read it yet, you still have time. Um, and guys, senior guys will be meeting tomorrow at lunch, senior girls on Friday. And I think that's it for announcements. Yeah, sign up for Celebrate You if you haven't yet. Um, and let's pray. God, thank you that you are good and you are faithful and that we can trust in who you are um, when we look to you and not our circumstances. And so thank you for using Mr. Itzinga and his story and his struggle to speak truth to us today. Um, yeah, and to remind us of, of who you are and how we need to anchor ourselves to have hope in life. Um, yeah, so we, we turn to you today and we choose to put our hope in you. And we ask that you would just be present in this place, that each student and staff person here um, would have a sense of your peace and your presence with them as they mm -hmm. leave this place, and that as we go from here, we would bring that to those around us for your glory. Amen. Have a great Amen. day, everyone. <laughs>